The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back here on Big Blue View for our next positional preview heading on into the 2021 NFL season for the New York Giants. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Nick Pilato and Chris Flum. So far, we have detailed the entire offensive position groups, filling you in on who you should expect to start, who should make the roster, who's going to be on the practice squad, all of that fantastic stuff. If you missed any of that, go back and check it out on our podcast feed. And hit that subscribe button if you want to stay up to date on all of the latest episodes that are coming out. So now switching to the defensive side of the football, guys, we have the interior defensive line first, which has been one of the more talented groups on this roster, was a highly productive group, which is kind of odd to say when your interior group is outperforming your edge rushers in terms of sack production and also uh, quarterback pressures. But that's exactly what happened with the guy Leonard Williams, who led the group. And the starting group that we have here that seems to be the one that we're going to be trotting out on the field, even though the Giants and Patrick Graham tend to rotate a lot of guys, we'll probably see a lot of Leonard Williams, Austin Johnson, and Dexter Lawrence. And I'm looking at this group, guys. I think that that lineup is pretty, pretty good with what they were able to get from them production-wise. And if Leonard Williams can repeat what we saw of him last year, they could continue continue to be very, very disruptive up the middle. Very disruptive. And Leonard Williams, I mean, it was his contract year after being franchise tagged. And the Giants, you know, good credit to him. They ended up paying him. He had 62 pressures and 11 and a half sacks last year. Used all over the defensive front. And I really think he's the perfect interior defensive lineman for Patrick Graham when you're rushing the passer because you can kick him wherever you want. And Graham loves getting really creative with their four-man pressure packages. Sometimes when he drops eight, their three-man pressure packages. Leonard Williams really allows him to do that. And I think that's excellent. And I also want to throw BJ Hill in there. I know we're going to talk about him a little bit later, but I think he's another player similar to Austin Johnson who may not even be rotational. I kind of wanted to ask you, Chris, do you believe B.J. Hill might be uh, – I think B.J. Hill will probably get more snaps than someone like Austin Johnson. You know, I am honestly not sure. Uh, you know, last year, B.J. Hill, he, it, it seemed like he was almost a little bit of an afterthought compared to the 
big three of Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Dexter Lawrence. I I think Hill only got something like 200 snaps the whole season. I can look that up real quick. Yeah, 375. Okay. Yeah, so 375. That Compared to what the other guys got, that's kind of low. And it, it had been trending down since he had that great rookie season. But like you said, he's got a lot of uh, just natural athletic ability that you wouldn't exactly expect looking at him and looking at the roles he has played in various defenses. So uh, I could definitely see him being used kind of as a fireman almost where he could come on to relieve Dexter Lawrence or or Leonard Williams as the defensive end in the three-man fronts or come in as a maybe a one technique in a four-man front. You know, he's got strength and power. He's got athleticism. He can be used all over that defensive front. And like you just mentioned with Leonard Williams, that's a thing the Giants just love in their, we'll say, interior defensive linemen. Now, will he be a starter? I don't really think that will happen. So I suppose he would be a rotational player, but really first man off the bench and maybe on the field more often than not. I think he's going to be on the field more than Austin Johnson personally. But to get back to just Leonard Williams and the impact that he had on that 2020 Giants team, man, I mean, if that can be replicated in 2021, which is something we all assume, we all kind of assume that this defense is going to live up to what we saw in 2020. But that never that doesn't always transpire. And that's one thing that I'm I'm not hesitant about because I really, really trust in Patrick Graham. But I do believe if there's one player that needs to play to the level that he did in 2020 to unlock what this defense could be in 2021, it's Leonard Williams. And the additions on the edge can allow Leonard Williams to do that if he stays healthy. I mean, you bring in Aziz Ojolari, you bring in uh, Ellerson Smith, uh, Ifidi Odenabo, a couple other edge-type rushers. I mean, look at last year. We were talking about this a little bit before the podcast. The top four players in pressures forced last year for the Giants were all interior guys. They didn't have any edge rushers because – Lorenzo Carter was injured. Kyler Fackrell was injured a little bit. O'Shane Semenez was injured. So now, hopefully, since you get Lorenzo Carter possibly back, O'Shane, I'm not sure what we're going to get from him, but we'll see. Then hopefully those guys can help Leonard Williams maybe even take his game to another level, which is just what we need. And also Dexter Lawrence, That's we'll get into him in a little bit. Having him on this roster going into his third year, I feel like he could be primed for a breakout. And I honestly think that, and you're talking about how these improvements – to the edge group are going to be really big for a guy like Leonard Williams. And it's not like the, the, the players that they added, Zizo Jolari, Ellerson Smith, he talked about all those guys. It's not like that makes them a top 10 edge group. It's, it's still not a, a great group. They have a lot that they need to prove, but it's much improved from last year. And that's going to be something that I'm really keyed on is how well does Leonard Williams do now that he doesn't really have to be the only guy that's being highly productive and getting all these sacks and getting all these pressures. If there's pressure coming from other spots and Patrick Graham is allowed to be as creative as he can possibly be, I I think a guy like Leonard Williams can continue to improve and get better now that he's earned the contract that we were questioning why he was even asking for it. He played up to that level. He earned that amount of money that he's going to be getting. And he could very well continue to transcend and get better and better as the defense improves. Now, I think there is, the other option is on the table where I'm not going to say Leonard Williams will take a step backwards, but you know we've, we've talked a lot about how the Giants basically did not have an edge rusher, an edge rush last year. You know, Leonard Williams is not a particularly 
fast pass rusher. I think that's something we all noted where he gets pressures, he gets quarterback hits, but it takes him a little bit to beat his beat his blocker and get to the quarterback. We saw, you know, a few games where it, it took four or five seconds for him to get to the quarterback. I think we could see some scenarios where the presence of, you know, hopefully a fully healthy Lorenzo Carter, uh, Aziz Ojolari, hopefully he's up to speed, you know, right away. Ellerson Smith, same same thing, where those guys coming off the edge are just much faster, and they actually get to the quarterback quicker than Leonard Williams, especially if after last year, uh, offenses are really devoting more resources to blocking him and you know giving him the Aaron Donald treatment, where he's getting double teamed, maybe even triple teamed every other snap which would open things up for a Dexter Lawrence or the edge guys who you know, we're mentioning a lot, but not actually talking about today. <laughs> yes. And then you brought up Dexter Lawrence, man. I mean, now with Dalvin Tomlinson as a Minnesota Viking, I really think he can take his game to the next level. And a lot of those defensive uh, personnel packages that Graham liked to use, I think he dropped or he sent three, I think, according to kneeldown.com a hundred times. So that means he dropped eight, like over a hundred times. That's something that we could be seeing a little bit more of. And in order to get pressure while sending three, you're going to need Leonard Williams on those stunts and those twists. And I think Dexter Lawrence can be an excellent penetrator doing that. And we've seen that happen before in the past. You penetrate with Dexter Lawrence, you have Leonard Williams come in as a looper, try to use that flexibility and that length to gain an edge and just win right off the half man, not even really get fully engaged in the block, keep his chest clean, and then hopefully flush out the pocket. And I think those two on the interior can really help that. And if you bring an edge rusher at somebody else, but that's only in three-man pressure packages and four-man pressure packages, you could still do uh, stunts, twists to both sides of the line of scrimmage. And I just believe that having somebody 346 pounds like Dexter Lawrence with that athletic ability, with that get-off, with that lower body explosiveness, that can really, really help. And then just his ability to win one-on-ones as well really, really heavy-handed, can really drive the pocket with a bull rush, get to the half man, string some pass rush moves together. Obviously, he's not going to be the fastest player out there, but he can win with strength. And you combine that with someone like Leonard Williams, Aziz Ojolari coming off the edge, we're looking at a defensive line that could possibly create more pressure in 2021, which is excellent because guess what? You have Xavier McKinney now on the back end. You have your young secondary kind of gelling together. Hopefully they can cover more. You add a Dory Jackson, you bring in Aaron Robinson. Maybe you can hold up a little bit more in man coverage now. And if your back end is taken care of, that's going to give more time to your front end. And then hopefully that will result in more sacks and pressures. Yeah, front end helps the back end. Back end helps the front end. I think you're kind of quoting Warren <laughs> Sapp there for a minute. Look at me, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really think De- uh, Dexter Lawrence is actually the guy the Giants need to take a step forward. And maybe even take a big step forward in this defensive front. You know, they invested a lot in him. They made him a surprise first round pick. Now, I didn't really see anybody projecting him to be a first rounder before the Giants selected uh, selected him. And I know when he was drafted, a lot of people looked at him as like, oh, they already have Dalvin Tomlinson. Why do they need another nose tackle? But Dexter Lawrence is not a nose tackle. He, Despite his size, he was never a nose tackle for Clemson. And whenever the Giants have put him there, he hasn't really succeeded all that much. He's much better playing that three-technique, five-technique role where he's just a one-gap using his size, power, and explosiveness to just bully his way through the offensive line. And I think if he can combine those physical traits with a more mature pass rushing skill set, you know, really figure out how to beat his blockers and not just overpower them and outbig them. 
then he can be a much more consistent presence in the offensive backfield and a much more consistent threat for the defense. And that I think is something the Giants really need from him. I think that's a common misconception, as you said. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, Nick, but I think that's a, a bit of a misconception with Dexter Lawrence is that everyone assumes that he's a nose tackle. But the reality of it is he's going to have a much different role. He's going to be used a lot differently. Instead, the, the guys that are going to be playing more in the interior are Austin Johnson and are Danny Shelton, who might not necessarily be on the field the most out of these guys and probably won't be on the field a ton, but they're going to get in there as playing that replacing Dalvin Tomlinson type role of playing in the interior. Yeah. The Dexter Lawrence thing too, because on early downs, like Dalvin Tomlinson, he was that nose last year. The giants ran a ton of tight fronts. So three down usually within the tackles. So you have a four eye technique, the nose, and then the three technique. And they would always line that four eye technique to the running strength. So where a tight end was, and usually they wanted that four eye technique to be Dexter Lawrence. Cause it's hard for them to create, you know, effective double teams on him. And they would just have him either penetrate or read depending on what the context of the play was. And that was incredibly difficult for the lineman to get to the second level. So basically those three would just form a wall and spill everything outside. And that's kind of the advantageous thing to utilizing a tight front. But Dexter Lawrence is 346 pounds. You would expect that guy to be your nose tackle, right? Giants didn't have him there. They had him as that four eye. And I think they're going to do that this season as well. And they were going to put Danny Shelton actually as that nose to kind of replace Dalvin Tomlinson, a poor man's Dalvin Tomlinson sitting there in the nose when they do run those tight fronts with Leonard Williams on the weak side as the three technique. That's kind of what I'm envisioning. I think we saw a little bit, I want to say maybe it was the Cleveland game, but I don't want to be quoted on that last year where they were using Dexter Lawrence in that role as a nose tackle. And it wasn't, I don't think it was his best utilization despite the fact that he's a mountain of a man. Uh, That was the Baltimore game. Baltimore, yeah, for, yeah, was some, Baltimore game. for some reason, and I can't figure this out. They used uh, Lawrence and Hill as their nose tackles, and had Austin Johnson and Dalvin Tomlinson. I believe it was as the left defensive end out there over the right <laughs> tackle, and it the, the Ravens definitely had a hard time running in that direction. But uh, Lawrence and Hill got pushed back more than I. Th- think we really expected from them based on their size and strength profiles so yeah i I definitely expect lawrence to be in that four eye uh defensive end role and then have danny shelton austin johnson battling it out for the nose tackle role you know however that gets played out in the absence of dalvin tomlinson because you know both of those guys like you put it they're they're a poor man, Salvin Tomlinson, they're both capable of being good nose tackles or at least solid nose tackles, but uh, they don't bring quite the same amount of uh, immovable object while also being able to get behind the line of scrimmage and disrupt, at least not as well as Tomlinson was able to do. I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, you know, last year, Austin Johnson, for some reason, was was like a PFF darling. Like he kept getting these really high grades by pro football focus, not getting a ton of snaps, but you know, in some of these games where he started to play a little bit more, he was like getting grades in like the nineties on some of these games. I'm just curious to hear from you guys. Why do you think that was, and do you think maybe with no Dalvin Tomlinson, Austin Johnson starts to get a little bit more looks? Do you think he does that again? I kind of don't like, I think a lot of the PFF grades, they're, 
they're ba- like when you when you don't have a huge sample size, right? Like Austin Johnson play like 13 snaps here, 12 snaps here. And then if you make one big play, like for instance, in week four, he played 13 snaps and his defensive rating was in the 90s. But that was because he forced that fumble on Gerald Everett. Like there are outliers that don't really get weeded out with some of these PFF stats when you don't play that many snaps. Like me personally, and I was going to say this. I think Danny Shelton's taking that nose job, not Austin Johnson. I think Austin Johnson's going to be somebody who's just going to be kind of recycled in, play, you know, 200 to 250 snaps in the season if there aren't any major injuries, and be a solid contributor like he was last year. But if I want a nose tack, I'm going with Danny Shelton because the dude's immovable and he's absolutely gigantic. I think Austin Johnson, that's he's a big guy, but I, I don't I don't think I don't want him two gapping and, and really holding down the A gap and taking on these A's blocks and, and trying to anchor himself down. That's much more of a Danny Shelton role in my opinion. Yeah, I I think I've at least in my uh, pieces on Big Blue View, I've made my uh feelings about P, uh pro football focuses grades. Like they're just single number grades known. I really don't know how you can <laughs> normalize across an entire roster one grade and especially as nick talked about small sample sizes where one guy plays 13 snaps has a couple good plays maybe one big play and that's it where and then another guy plays 70 snaps has a whole bunch of well he was on the field for that snap the play was nowhere near him and then you know maybe a couple good plays and a couple bad plays because that's what happens when you're playing 70 snaps you know sometimes you win sometimes you lose and then how can you compare a cornerback to a center, to a linebacker, to a quarterback? You know, I just don't know how you could possibly objectively normalize those various ratings and gradings. Now, uh, PFF's charting data, you know, they're the things they that go that get fed into that kind of opaque uh, number grading system. Those are a different matter, and those I tend to trust. Uh, Nick mentioned the kneel down, which is a an analytics website that uses PFF's charting data, and that is pretty solid. I I don't really have any problems with that. It's just the the number of grades. I don't have a whole I don't have a whole lot of use for. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about these backups, but before we do so, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. So the one thing that becomes a a bit of a question mark with the defensive line group is who makes the roster after the five guys that we just discussed? Because this is, and I don't think it's a hot take to say, probably the most talented group, if not tied close with the secondary. The starters are really good. The rotational players are going to be very, very good. They're a high-impact group for a reason, and they're probably going to be a reason why they slow down some opposing teams rushing games like they did last year. Now that being said, this this backup group that we have, it's consistent of RJ McIntosh, who's been on the team for a while, a name who's always brought up as a cut candidate, David Mao, Nico Lalos, the UDFA out of Dartmouth, and then Raymond Johnson. So this group of four guys that I've just highlighted, there's a pretty strong chance that none of them make the roster if we had to pick one or two, maybe even two guys, if we're being generous, who do you think sticks around or do we, do we don't even think that's a possibility? I think it would just be probably Nico Lalos, who I swear every time he got on the field last year, he was making some sort of significant play, whether it was an interception or it was a forced fumble. But I think it's mainly just because of special teams value when you're starting to get down this 
deep into these sticky wickets of the roster and you have so many solid contributors ahead of them with B.J. Hill, Danny Shelton, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Austin Johnson, and you have a team that you're going to want to really kind of keep a lot of these other younger pieces at other positions, specifically on the defense that's not the defensive line, then I think a lot of these guys could end up getting released. Lalo's possibly could make the squad, but I just think they're probably going to just relegate him to the practice squad. Yeah, I think that's about where I come down as well. Yeah, the Giants are probably going to keep a bunch of defensive backs because this this defense really is driven by the various coverages and blitz schemes and all of that that Patrick Graham dreams up. They just added a bunch of linebackers. You know, they're getting O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter back from injury, hopefully. They added Aziz Ojolari and Ellerson Smith. They've added linebackers in free agency so i think that's going to be a pretty healthy position group and unfortunately the numbers game there might not be room for more than five or six counting lalo's defensive linemen on the roster i think lalo's does stand a decent chance of making it because of his special teams skill and that you know the giants have a special teams coach they've got three special teams coaches on their coaching staff right now so that is definitely going to get a good long look from the coaching staff once final cutdowns get here but also patrick graham changes looks and fronts so often you know there's a good chance we'll see uh a fedio a, a, a bingo i'm terrible at pronouncing his name and i apologize for that <laughs> uh See, Nico Lalos as a defensive end. Eller Smith come, Ellerson Smith come down as a defense. And yeah, I just cannot speak today. Ellerson Smith come down as a defensive end. And there will be plays where we only see one down lineman and maybe five guys standing around the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, I'm not sure just how many pure defensive linemen the Giants are going to need to carry as long as they've got back enough depth to be able to back up both end positions and the nose right I'm on the same page as both of you guys I, I, I think based on the way that this roster is structured when we get to the edge show I think we're going to talk a little bit more about it, a deeper group because there's a lot of unique play styles physical builds that are going to be able to line up and be utilized in the ways that Patrick Graham likes to be creative with his with his uh, his lineups, the guy, the way that he puts guys out there. But if if we're going to pick somebody, Nico Lalos is probably going to be the one candidate to potentially make the team, not because he's a a, a guy who is going to be a high contributing defensive lineman, but I, I always saw someone who busted his ass on special teams. I always saw somebody who who gave it full go, full effort as you'd expect from a, an FCS Ivy league defensive lineman, he's a hard worker. That's what you want on special teams. Somebody who I can line up in the a gap on punt and I can just send him to run into the personal protector. If, if anybody tries to pick him up, that kind of thing. I think that's probably your best value out of any of these guys. If you're going to even keep any of them around. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Yeah. I, I don't really have anything to add to that other than, you know, this could be another position where we just keep an eye on the waiver wire once final cutdowns come, mm-hmm. you know, just like offensive line or really anywhere else. It, it could be that final depth piece isn't on the roster right now. Well, on that note, I think that is a great 
way to wrap up today's show. Folks, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening in. Also, head over to BigBlueView.com to find our show as well as hundreds of other... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wrong closing point. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> that's, that's the believe one. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> folks, also head on over to BigBlueView.com to find uh, tons of fantastic New York Giants content um, as well as following us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Nick Filato, at RaptorMKII, and at BigBlueView. Talk to you soon, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week.